Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash futureinvestor slash radio. I think we should pick up on what we've seen from President uh, Xi there too with our guest China Beige Book CEO Leland, Leland Miller joining me here on set. Uh, great to see you in person after a number of years, Leland. I mean, how did you kind of read that view of China signing off on the communique condemning the war in Ukraine and President Xi kind of, I guess, moving away a little there from Moscow? I think it's blown out of proportion. Uh, you know, China is much less of a factor in the Ukraine uh, debate than people make it out to be. Uh, on the one hand, uh, there's China supporting Russia rhetorically. Uh, they're buying Russian oil and gas. Uh, on the other hand, there's some big red lines, you know, central bank sanctions, tech sector sanctions, uh, SWIFT sanctions that, that China is not about to violate. So they have, you know, stayed in their box from that perspective. So. You know, I think that the, the rhetorical differences between China pushing this or that, I just don't think there's much of a factor as people think. But uh, we did see some kind of optimism or euphoria, I would say, about President Xi and Biden meeting earlier in the week. And I feel that that was kind of what everybody was saying before we had uh, the tension in, in Poland, that we are starting to see some kind of potential off-ramp between the U.S. and China tensions, at least. Well, it depends what an off-ramp is. If an off-ramp means we are going to have a meeting, everyone will smile, and then we will not have tensions deteriorate in the coming months, I think that's a fair, uh, fair characterization. If it's a question of, okay, well, we're going to change the direction of the, of the, of the bilateral relationship in a, in a, in a diff, you know, different direction going forward, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that there are too many underlying issues uh, between the two superpowers that, that, that uh, you know, this is a temporary reprieve. Um, Okay, temporary reprieve. What we are looking for is a reprieve on the economic front in China. When does that happen and do we ever see China record the kind of pre-pandemic growth levels? Well, it's a tricky question because you've got two different slowdowns going on right now in China's economy. You've got a structural slowdown, which was you know, primarily driven by the deflation of the property sector. And that is continuing and it's going to continue going forward. And I don't see an end to that anytime soon. You have a bit of a, a respite right now where conditions have been very, very tight, and now they're easing up a little bit in order to avert contagion, but then you're going to continue on down the line once I think things are stable. On the other hand, you also have a cyclical slowdown, which is primarily driven by the COVID zero lockdowns. Uh, when COVID zero is rolled back, I think you are going to have a, 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 an impressive bounce back in the economy. It'll also be the first opportunity in a long time, an attractive opportunity for the government to stimulate. So I think that you have the potential that, you know, cyclically in the next year, or so that you'll have start to have a, a nice bounce back, certainly a bounce in the data off very, very low basis of, uh, bases of comparison. So you're going to have a cyclical bounce back when COVID zero is past us, but the structural slowdown will continue. So it's just a question of, you know, how do you avoid being head faked that one dynamic <laughs> is happening? Uh, yeah, but not both. And when COVID zero does eventually disappear, you still have the underlying property concerns. How, I guess, um, welcome is that 16 point plan that was put forward to to support the sector? 
It's a uh, it's a temporary reprieve. You know, it is it is uh, <laughs> you know it's 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 a the the idea here was never that 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 Xi Jinping was going to take property and just flat you know flatline it down to zero uh, and just weaken 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 weaken. You have to make sure that strong firms are taken down, uh, supply chains remain uh, uh, you know uh, vibrant, cash flow continues. And so what you do is you you call the herd, you get rid of weak, rid of weak firms, and then you step in to make sure that that things don't get worse. We're in that period right now. We're you know the idea that a lot of Wall Street firms are 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 echoing right now that this is a game changer in property and we're going to revert back to the old model. I think that's uh, that's extremely naive. We're still looking at what happened at the 20th Party Congress. What did the appointments to the Politburo and Standing Committee tell you about Xi's plans? That she that this is the Xi Jinping show. Uh, that you know the idea that that. She is not in full control. Was was disabused. Uh, the idea that uh, you know that that she is under significant pressure to to pivot on big issues. I think that was disabused. Uh, if you look going forward, you're, you're going to see him tweak policy. But there's 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 no there's no evidence that he sees the last two years as mis, as a mistake, as misguided. Uh, that he needs some sort of uh, you know U-turn from the direction he was going. So I think that maybe we see a, a period of a little bit of economic a little bit of uh, experimentation on COVID zero. We'll see how long it can continue in the winter uh, and, and a little bit of easing in property. But this doesn't change us from where we fundamentally have been going for the last couple of years, which is a structural slowdown into much slower levels of growth. So China's ambitions to become the world's number one economy. I mean, how much has that been affected by COVID zero? It might have been affected, but you know, the key, the key takeaway from that should be to the extent that China becomes the largest economy uh, it means it hasn't been doing its job. It's, it, it actually hurts China. It's, it's a sign of weakness because it means that there is a, still a reliance or a political sensitivity on hitting high levels of growth. What Xi Jinping has been doing, and this is, this is the positive side of, of what he's been doing in the restructuring of the economy, is he has been looking at the high levels of debt that are needed in order to, to fund property, to fund infrastructure, to fund all these other things, and saying these are unsustainable. China going forward needs to be have slower growth but healthier growth and that will that will invigorate China uh, and the Chinese economy to the extent that you know he falls for the idea that you know we have to ramp up growth in order to 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 beat the United States in this ridiculous GDP race I think that that is a that is a negative sign for for Chinese governance. How investable is China amidst all these headwinds because I mean you can kind of argue that there's been a bit of a FOMO rally happening in the last couple of weeks. Now look, I, I, you know, the question is how much of this rally are people who have been waiting to unload assets? Uh, <laughs> you know, so look, look, there is um, China is investable uh, if you if you have a really sophisticated operation and understand what's going on. Uh, if you're if you're watching, you know, so Chinese social media for rumors, you know, if you're you know if you're in New York and you're guessing what's going on on the ground in Shanghai, you know, these are not the ways to do business. You you can't operate in China that like that anymore. Uh, and so you know you have to be very very careful. And uh, sophisticated individuals, sophisticated funds, uh, sophisticated sophisticated companies can operate on the ground, but it is a, a far cry from from the environment we we were used to seeing for the last couple of decades. Leland has been an absolute pleasure and. Particularly to see you after a number of years, China Beige Book CEO Leland Miller with me here. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? 
and where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.